You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend, safe weekend. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. This is hour two of our program. Phil Mickelson will stop by in about 15 minutes or so. Reggie Miller next hour. We'll talk about The Last Dance. Reggie's moment is coming up, episode nine. But we'll talk to Reg about this side of Jordan that we saw. At least you got a little bit of a sneak peek behind the curtain, the emotional curtain with Michael Jordan. You know, he was tough. Winning has its price. Uh, this is the way he led on the Chicago Bulls. You know, you just, that's who he was. And he couldn't change, didn't change, and doesn't apologize for not changing. That's just who he is. And, and you know, when, when you want to win an argument and you say scoreboard, that's all you need if you're Michael Jordan. Hey, you didn't like the way I was a team, or, you know, what kind of teammate I was? Scoreboard. You didn't like what kind of opponent? Scoreboard. I mean, that's what this comes down to. But I do like that it's creating conversation about what we want out of our athletes. I was going to say heroes, but in this day and age, this time, what we're going through, they're not our heroes. There are other people who are true heroes. But you, un- you understand what I'm saying. You know, how do you lead? Oh, you got to be tough on your teammates. You got to be tough on your opponents. You know, that's the way you lead. Well, you don't. And maybe we need more of that now. This winning is so important because there are times when you'll watch a game, you'll watch a player, and you don't know how important winning is because money is so big now. But is winning, does winning make a difference in your life? Michael became who he became as a brand because he won. Because if Michael ends up with 25,000 points and no championships, he's not Air Jordan. Air Jordan, that's a brand that means excellence. That means winning. That means championships. It doesn't mean, wow, look at those crazy highlights. Jordan became a brand because he won. Muhammad Ali became a brand because he won. There are guys who would could score. There were guys who were good boxers. I mean, you become a brand when you win. You know, Larry Bird won championships. He won three. Magic Johnson became a brand. He became a business. Like when you think of success, you think winning. And Magic won on the court and off the court. You know, that that's important when you're establishing this. And I don't know how important winning is to today's athlete. I know what it was like before, but I, I have my questions about today's athlete. How important is it? If I'm making $40 million a year, how important is winning? How important is that offseason? Like Jordan was obsessed with getting bigger and stronger because he was going to dole out his own punishment. Obsessed with it. you got guys who take the summer off, don't do anything. There are other guys who they're obsessed with this. This is all they think of. And Jordan was that guy, but he could never turn it off. Whether it's cards, whether it's golf, certainly basketball. That's what you see with Jordan. And there were some moments last night, you know, Scottie Pippen saying if he had to do it all over again, he wouldn't have gone back into the game. This is, you know, after Jordan had left and Scottie thought he had. And I understand what Scottie's saying. Hey, I've earned this. I waited. You know, I learned from Michael. This is my moment. He's not here. And you're going to let Tony Kukoc take the shot? And then for Scotty to say, well, this is what Scotty had to say about that moment. I felt like it was an insult uh, coming from Phil. 
I was the most dangerous guy on our team. So why are you asking me to take the ball out? This is a season where he's taken the, the role of Michael. He's had this MVP caliber season. He thought it should be him taking the shot. And so Jim Clemens came over and said, Scotty's not going in. And Phil said, what do you mean he's not going in? And I go down and I said, are you in or out? And he said, I'm out. Wow. That's Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Steve Kerr, Dennis Rodman in there with Scotty Pippen. I understand it's a slap in the face. You have earned that moment. By the way, Kukoc hit the shot. But, and that helped save Scotty. I think. I actually now, thought it made it worse. What, if, if Kukoc misses and then Scotty can say, I told you, you well, shouldn't have had... Well, yeah, maybe. Kukoc hit the shot. Everyone's running to hug Kukoc and Pippen is way off in the background, yeah. sauntering out of the court. Yeah. yeah. You might be right. Might have, you know, might have gone the other way, but you give Scotty the chance to say, look, I earned the right. You know, I understand what Phil did and Tony hit the shot, but in the moment, I wanted people to understand... I was gonna. I had to live up to Michael Jordan. This is what Michael does. This was my moment. I'm taking this team. We won 57 regular season games. We're going back to the NBA Finals. This is my moment. And he never got that moment. And then they ended up losing in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals Game 7. But I get it. But Scotty, you know, fast forward to today... Yeah, got to have some perspective on that to say, you know what? Phil's a Hall of Fame coach. I should have trusted him. He was doing what was right for the team. Scotty thought he was embarrassed because we're not going to design a play for you. Hey, thank you for all the things you do for this team. But in a big moment, we're not going to you. And, and so I, I understand what Scotty was probably processing. But to talk about it now, that's where I thought he would go. Yeah. I should have been in there. It's a team sport. Uh, Michael didn't get every shot. John Paxson hit a big shot. Steve Kerr hit a big shot. Was it called for? (laughs) It wasn't called for Paxson. The Steve Kerr play was. How so? Like Michael's in the huddle, and he says, "You're going to be open." And he knew that he was going to be doubled, and and so Jordan called Steve Kerr's shot. And I, he said, look, you're going to be open, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll hit you. Paraphrasing here. All right, welcome to the program. We'll get to phone calls here. Best and worst of the weekend, what you saw that you liked, you didn't like. UFC did what it promised on Saturday night, delivering a live sporting event. After almost two months of nothing, MMA fans got a chance to see a card that delivered in a big way. It's not a return to normal. This, I, I keep saying it's a return to you know abnormal. Because this is a one-night event. And, and you're, you have two individuals in the cage. This isn't a team sport. Because if it's only two people, okay, scale it down. If you can get testing, great. But if, if you've got, you know, 24 basketball players who at some point will be on the court, I got three referees in there. I got assistant coaches. Okay, you're just doing the math there. And all it takes is one positive test. That's it. UFC and WWE, that's different. It, it, if this is the NBA or baseball, football, you know, it's different. You know, they're, they're subjected to different governing bodies than the WWE and UFC. I was glad to see it. 
Um, and it was something different. But I don't know, as we move forward, is baseball going to be able to do this in July? Feels like that's a target date. The NBA, getting players back in camp. Uh, football, football's got a little bit of time here. But I, I, I just caution people when they look at something like this and say, hey, everything's good. Man, I want everything to be good. But I just know where we are on the East Coast, things aren't good. And when we go, hey, the numbers dropped, only 600 people died. Okay, that's still 600 people died. Other parts of the country, I have friends who play golf every day. They're like, we don't get it. We can't relate. I understand that. I just know where we are is the epicenter. And hopefully, it, it, you know, the curve is going to be in our favor. It dies down. We get this opportunity. We're going to have NASCAR back. We'll have golf back. We'll have UFC, WWE. I don't know when we have team sports back. I hope. Hope soon. But that's it. It's hope. Because right now, I, I wouldn't go to a game. And somebody asked me, if your son played college football, I said, knowing what I know now, it, you know, today, no, I wouldn't want him to be playing. It, it's just the unknown. We can't will our way back. We can't force our way back. Once we have that information, great. But until then, it's just hope. But I did like that it was a live sporting event. It sounded different, but I liked it. I, this is what I'm curious about. When we get through this, what are we taking from how we've covered sporting events that we take into the next time this sporting event? The draft, the virtual draft. We're going to take some things into the draft next year. You're going to have these home setups. They're going to be encouraged next year. People are going to have fun with this, not just Mike Vrabel, Cliff Kingsbury. Like you'll, Even Belichick had some fun with this, but I think they'll be encouraged to do that. And, and, but I, as we have the sound, wait till basketball comes back and there's nobody in there. Wait, wait till you hear what... You, you don't realize this until you're on the floor when you hear things. And that, I think, will be interesting for people to hear everything that's being said. I mean everything. And football is the same way. And you would think, as paranoid as these coaches are, about lip readers. Can you imagine when you're out there and you're yelling? You, you can have your play sheet over your mouth like this, but you're going to hear everything. It'll be good. And if Aaron Rodgers had a problem with us picking up his uh, audible call, uh, he's really going to have a problem now. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at As I mentioned, Phil Mickelson will join us coming up. And uh, Reggie Miller will stop by as well. His thoughts off the last dance. with uh, They got to do, okay, next week is the final two episodes. You have to, ha well, you don't have to. I just have to have... One more dance, like just call it one more dance and it's one more episode. And what I want is I get, I would have Isaiah Thomas back. I'd have Scotty Pippen back. I don't know who else you can have. You know, we can't have Jerry Krause because he's deceased. But if, if I would have the NBA entertainment people, I would have Andy Thompson, Michael Thompson's brother, who's really largely responsible for, 
shooting this video and he had a relationship with Michael and Michael trusted him. I would want to know you were shooting something you didn't know would ever make air. Like hundreds of hours of tape that you never knew if it was even be going to be shown. And those guys kept their secrets. They saw it all. They, they saw more than what you're seeing. They saw a lot more. But they, they kept it to themselves. I think that's fascinating. I'd love to know what they think now that it's finally aired. I think that they, they're owed that. That would be great. And if you want to have the director on, Jason Hare. And by the way, somebody if you write an article on the director, Jason Hare, somebody's got to call it Hare Jordan. Like, <laughs> right? I think you, you got to do that for him. Maybe that's too easy there. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Had a, hopefully Mother's Day was kind to everybody. Fritzy cooked a meal for his family. McLevin, how about you? Everything good? Oh, great great yeah. Mother's Day. But if we're going to talk Hare Jordan, by the way, there was a side story that got a lot of attention last night. A goat hair situation. Oh, You were in the crosshairs last night of social media. No pun intended. Yes. I actually didn't intend that, but yeah, a lot of people were, you had a lot of FaceTime last night, a lot. Uh, how did social media treat my hair? Great. Oh, well, good. Reverently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all I care about. To be fair, Dan, you know that window between 96 to 99 was, yeah, was as good. good. Yeah, that was, no yeah. offense, it's like Kevin Costner, that was your peak time for your hair. Yeah. It really well, hit stride. Yes, he. I, I believe the quote from my wife was, oh, look at Dan bringing heat with that hair. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah, she's not the only woman to say Whoa. it last night. I always said your your <laughs> wife is smart. Yes, Todd. It did bother me, though, at the end. You were doing a nice one-on-one sit-down with Jordan, and just as they're about to pan to you, they cut that clip. He was sitting with Jordan after the finals, after the win. You got the interview, and it was great, and it was all Jordan, and then they're slowly yeah, panning, yeah, and then yeah. just like in a half a second, one, one more second, they, they, you would be right there next to I, And I get these random t- uh, text messages from friends, and then – I don't know what they're referring to. And, and then, you know, somebody put, somebody sent a uh, emoji and then put eye candy on it. And I was like, what? And I put question mark and they go, the Jordan documentary. And I went, oh, all right. The older I get, the better I was. Absolutely. Yes, McLovin. There was a big 93 versus 96 to 98 today too. <laughs> with with <laughs> my <Twitter>. hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 93 was early. Like it was like, yeah, I don't know. It was it was more athletic, maybe, but then you were more cerebral in the '96 and '98. Yeah, I I think I had a little more volume back in '93. Remember, my hair was puffy, and I needed that cost me a job. Like who who has lost a job because their hair was too puffy? At least that's that's what when Fox didn't hire me to do their uh, pregame NFL pregame show when David Hill said your hair it's puffy. And so I maintain that I didn't get that job because my hair was too puffy. Yes, Paul. In the 90s, were you like Jordan and you bullied other sports center anchors yes. with your hair? Like Bob Stevens, you didn't even talk no, to him. No, but I was that's that's I was being a leader. Right. Be that, my, make your hair like mine. Yeah. I would berate the other sports center anchors because that's what Mike did and that's the way I do it. And that's hey, winning has its price, Paul. Hair wise, Steve Levy was probably your Steve pimping. Levy was right there. Yeah, that's some good competition <laughs> with Leaves. Still do leaves oh we got to talk about the uh, monday night 
they're making a change there in the booth. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, let me uh, take a break. Phil Mickelson's going to join us coming up next here. Your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend, and Reggie Miller in an hour from now. 17 after the hour here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. He's the Hall of Famer, Phil Mickelson, joining us on the program. The match, Champions for Charity, will be played May 24th on TNT and TBS at uh, Medalist Golf Club down in uh, Florida. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and uh, Phil joining us now. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Good morning, Dan. It's good to be back on your show. How have you been? I'm good. Where are you right now? I'm in San Diego. And are you in your office, your man cave? Yes, in the yeah, I'm in the corner of the office, exactly. What is the coolest piece of memorabilia in the office? Uh, the Masters trophies, things like that. That uh, there's also a T Rex. That's uh, that's kind of cool. It's a, it's a little <laughs> bit older. What about non golf? What do you have? Yeah, in- non golf. That would be T Rex, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, uh, Beta actually from Mongolia that uh, Amy got me ten years ago, which is kind of cool. Just the head, of course. How, how long have you gone without playing golf? What's the longest you've done in your professional career where you didn't pick up a club? So probably what we just experienced uh, the first five weeks that we were on quarantine, I did not uh, swing a club. And it was, it was uh, probably the longest that I've gone without uh, touching a club. Even in the offseason, I'll go play every couple of weeks just to go, go hang out with the guys and have fun. Can it be a good thing to not pick up a club? Oh yeah, it is. It is because what happens is my desire comes back when I'm away from it. And it's been such a big part of my life that when I don't have it for a while, I miss it. And I remember how much I love it and I appreciate it more for sure. What we're seeing with uh, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls last dance, you know, a lot of this is Michael and, and just how competitive he is. Like all, it feels like all great athletes have that gene. Like there's something there can you relate at all to Michael with that desire to be great at all costs? So I think that anybody that is uh, successful at, at a high level there, there's this selfishness uh, to them that you, you uh, kind of block everything else out. And the only thing that matters is uh, being the best and, and winning that championship. So I can relate somewhat because uh, it's very easy to get in that trap and, and kind of lose the big picture, if you will, in life and get so uh, determined on just this, this one aspect. And it's a, a very, uh, I want to say it's a selfish thing, but it's also the, the trait that you have to have to be successful. Have you watched the Jordan documentary? I have. Yeah, I think it's terrific. You played golf with him? I played golf with him a long time ago and uh, I'm actually in the process of joining his club there in Florida, uh, the Grove that he yeah. built, which is really a cool place. He, he, he did an exceptional job there. How do you, how do you apply? Like, how does that work where you, you call Michael and say, I'm thinking about being a member or you get invited. You have, you have to be invited. And so fortunately I know a number of, of members there and I'm going to be, uh, my wife and I just bought a lot fairly close there. It's only about 10, 15 minutes away. And so it would be a great place to, to play and practice. How good was Jordan back when you played? He, he's been around a four, I think. I don't know if he's still a four handicap. So I haven't played with him in a while, but I've seen him play and it, it, he seems to get better and better. And 
the the area that he gets better on are are the shots around the greens, all the subtleties, the nuances, putting, all the intricacies. The the swing is uh, I, I'm not really I haven't seen him hit it enough to see how much better he is, but the touch around the greens he continues to get better at. Who came up with the idea to have uh, you with Tiger and Peyton and Tom Brady? Um, that's a good question. I don't know uh, where it really came from. There's a the gentleman, Brian Zerf, who does the Ray Donovan show on Showtime. He's kind of our executive producer. He and I have become friends, and we've been talking about the uh, the match for, for quite a long time. In fact, he and I were the ones that kind of came up with the idea years ago and brought it to CAA and had it developed before we even brought it to Tiger. And he's very he's got a very creative mind and thought that the interaction between uh, two other players and as a partner was going to be an important part of improving our match because when Tiger and I came down the stretch in Vegas, we clammed up. We didn't talk. We didn't communicate. <laughs> we, we, we tightened up, and we needed a partner there to, to get something out of us. And so because we won't have caddies, uh, Brady and I will be talking about each shot, club selection, win, break, and so forth. It's almost like I'll be his caddy, he'll be mine, and we'll be feeding off of each other. And so you'll hear a lot more interaction. Plus, the fact that Brady and Manning especially is such a good smack talker, it will be entertaining because of that. You know, he is so funny in the way he delivers his lines. Manning is that you he elicits a response of laughter rather than a defensive response, which a lot of times when you're when you're cutting somebody up, it, you, it can come in a little a little hot and you can get defensive. <laughs> and Manning does such a good job of making it funny. Uh, is he the best smack talker out of all four? I think so because it's so subtle and understated and he just has a delivery that's soft, but the jabs sting. Well, he's got that aw shucks and he sort of talks out of the side of his mouth. He's got that Southern draw just a little bit, just let it slip, you know, slip out a little bit. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. So he, he will get the best out of tiger. And I think that he'll be the kind of the, the one to deliver the smack talk and tiger will be the one to deliver the great shots, which is fine. And then, um, Brady and I, you know, Tom and I, we usually have some pretty good responses too. So I think it's going to be a much more entertaining match than the first one, because there'll be a lot better uh, interaction. And you've played with Brady Peyton's played with tiger and you played with Tom. Is that how the, the team's formed? I think so. I've played a number of rounds with uh, Tom now. And uh, in fact, I had one of the greatest moments Dan, of my one of those interesting moments that occurred when I did play with Tom, it was about a week or two before he was going to start throwing with um, uh, Edelman getting ready for training camp. And we were at Augusta National and he asked if I would go catch some passes. I said, yeah, I mean, I'd love to I'd love to catch passes, Tom Brady. We're, we're 20 yards away. It's 715 in the morning and it's half dark out. And he's throwing these balls so hard that I'm worried about <laughs> busting a finger. I only catch the half, the second half of the pass. And so if the ball wasn't on my torso, I couldn't catch it. It would, if it was off to the side, I would, I would end up missing it. And I was so cautious about bending my fingers in a way, you know, having them so that I don't jam a finger. If there were three times that a ball hit the palm that it got through my fingers and hit the palm of my hand and all three times I had a nerve shot go right up my arm. And I thought that's got to be so hard to be running full speed with a helmet on bobbing up and down and have these balls coming in with such heat and grab them. It, ha it gave me a new respect 
for how good those guys are. But that was one of those unique moments that I kind of look back on and laugh and cherish because who gets to catch passes with Tom Brady at Augusta National at 7.15 in the morning? But imagine if he breaks your finger. And, and somebody says, oh, how'd you break your finger? Uh, Tom Brady threw a pass at me. Yeah, so that would that would uh, that wouldn't be good. Could be looked at either way, but it was two weeks before the Masters, so I didn't want to miss <laughs> the Masters because of that. Single toughest golf course in the world is where? That's the that's a that's a hard question to answer, but I would actually say Torrey Pines in San Diego is one of the hardest for me because when it's at sea level at seventy six hundred yards, the ball doesn't go very far. So from the tips, it's an it's the longest course I've ever played. And when you throw in uh, some U.S. Open rough and firm greens like we we get, I think that's the hardest course I've seen. But uh, a lot of people would argue Oakmont in Pennsylvania, and it would be hard to disagree with that. Oh, I played Oakmont. It makes you want to cry. Like you think you're hitting a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you guys play it when the greens are really fat, when the conditions are really difficult. And I played, and I went, I, I it was a slugfest. Like, I was drained when I got through. I didn't enjoy it at all. It's beautiful. I just didn't enjoy it. So I would agree with that, is that hard doesn't always mean better or fun. <laughs> I think Oakmont, maybe Torrey Pines, is the hardest course. It doesn't mean I enjoy playing it. In fact, I only like to play it once a year because it's not fun and it beats you up every single shot. But uh, I guess it's nice to have uh, the ability to be tested like that. But I always enjoy having a uh, course that you can reach some par fours or, you you know, and and par fives you can get to and, and make some birdies and short par threes, things like that. Those are always the fun hole. The match champions for charity would be played May 24, TNT and TBS, the medalist golf club in Florida, uh, Tiger's home course, Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady. When do you think your relationship changed with Tiger? So I've always appreciated and respected what he has done for the game of golf and what he's done for me, because when he increased the ratings, uh, nobody benefited more than I did on the course and off the course. And, and Dan, there was a moment in, in 1991 when I won my first PGA Tour event, the entire purse was a million dollars and the first place check was 180000 And as I was starting my career, I, I thought and wondered if there would ever be a point where we would have a first place check of a million dollars because all these other athletes were signing for these big contracts. And, and I did not think it would happen in my career. And Tiger comes along, gets golf on the front page. And next thing you know, sponsors want in and we're playing for a million plus first place check every single week now. And it, it, it uh, and it's been like that for quite some time. And I've always attributed that to him and as well as the increased opportunities off the golf course that he has provided. So I've always had this uh, respect for what he's done for me and my family because nobody's benefited more, but I think our relationship turned around 2016 when we were working together for the Ryder cup, mm -hmm. he was an assistant captain and we ended up spending a lot of time on the phone, getting ready, talking about players, picks, strategies, uh, alternate shot and, and course setup and all these things and getting an idea to see how uh, prepared he was and meticulous with each little thing. I, I had a new respect for him, but when we worked together for a common goal, which was to win the Ryder cup, it, it uh, brought us closer. I think that was kind of the turning point. You got a sneaky team this year in the NFL? 
So my sneaky team is the same team. I, I'm just a, a, a Charger fan. Unfortunately, they're not the San Diego Chargers or Los Angeles, but I'm still a Charger fan. I always think they're going to be better than they are. They lose <laughs> more games by a single score than any team in the NFL, and they lead in injuries. So if they can get that fixed, I, they have so much talent. I think they could be really fun. I don't know much about uh, the quarterback that they drafted, Justin Herbert, other than he's a really, really smart guy and a lot of talent. And I, I think that's uh, – a formula for success. He's got a lot of weapons around him. And I really like the GM, Tom Telesco. I think he's just a brilliant guy. And he, he, he brings in a lot of talent that uh, adds to the team, not just first string, but second string too. a lot of depth. And I, I just think they're a really good team, but they just don't play to their level of talent or ability. It just uh, surprises me. So uh, yet I'm here. I am uh, stuck pulling for them every year and, and wishing them well. If I said you could win another major, the Chargers could win the Super Bowl. So I'm a pretty selfish athlete. (laughs) (laughs) How about just a regular tour stop or Chargers win the Super Bowl? Uh, So if you had asked me, you know, years ago about that, I would say the Super Bowl. But because I'm 50 and I kind of (laughs) cherish each win from here on out, I would take a regular tour win. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. I know it's for the All In Challenge and making a $10 million donation to coronavirus relief efforts and uh, should be fun. Uh, it's great to talk to you again, Thank Phil. You. I hope family's well and uh, thanks for your time. Dan, thanks for having me back on your show. It's nice to be back on. That's uh, Phil Mickelson. The match is going to be May 24th on TNT and TBS with uh, Phil and Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Tiger Woods. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend. We'll uh, talk to Reggie Miller coming up next hour as well. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Best and worst of the weekend. I'll give you hours. Let's hear from Greg in Illinois. Greg, best and worst of the weekend. Hey, DP, uh, best, worst, a question for you. Best, busting out the Super Nintendo, playing a little Tecmo Bowl. Worst has to be Pippen quitting on his team. And my question for you is from the last dance from last night. Uh, would you rather have your favorite player or stars retire for two years in the middle of a run or uh, do load management like we see today? Thanks, man. Oh, I can't do load management. Uh, thank you, Greg. And you can say that was a different type of load management for Michael. If if he truly stopped playing basketball, retired so he could play baseball to honor his father, um, it was a different type of load management. I just, if you were around the Bulls back then, I, I just can't imagine that every night with Jordan. And every night in the playoffs, it felt like that, that, that it was the media focus and the number of people covering a sporting event. And Michael Jordan was at the center of it. I had not seen anything like that. You know, you go to a Super Bowl, you cover a World Series. Uh, this was different. You know, they were there for one person. Now, you can say Phil Jackson or Rodman or even Pippen, but people were there because Michael Jordan moved the needle. And look, I don't know Scottie Pippen. I worked with him when we uh, did the NBA show one year, and I liked him. I, I just... Uh, I think there are moments where, you know, Scotty was great. Scotty nearly took his team to the NBA Finals. I wonder what that would have done to Mike's legacy if Scotty had won a title without Michael. Would, would we view that differently? Um, 
It'd be like if um, the Cavaliers went to the finals without LeBron. We'd kill LeBron, right? We would. If Kyrie took them to the NBA finals and Michael wasn't on the team, or uh, uh, LeBron wasn't on the team, we'd kill him. And I know I keep bringing it back to LeBron, but I, I, I think we, there are a lot of sycophants with Jordan that don't look at the, big, the entire picture. That's all. And I'm saying we, we look at the entire picture with LeBron, but we don't do that with Michael. And just be fair to both. That's all. Michael's still the best player of all time. It's just we focus on minutia with LeBron. Oh, he doesn't want to take the last shot. Oh, he's, he's not like Mike. Oh, he doesn't have that killer mentality. I mean, the list is so long. And that's why I say, tell me the last time somebody said something negative about Jordan. It's fear. That's all. Yeah, see. You're talking about how uh, like we're people bang on LeBron for not wanting to take the last shot. But then we're also criticizing Scottie Pippen for wanting to take the shot so bad that he sat out when he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> now, would Scotty have gone? What if they went into overtime? You know, Scotty sat down, but did, you know, would Scotty have gone in if that game went into overtime? After Jordan returned to the Bulls in 1995, that was March of 1995, he played the rest of that season and the next three full seasons without missing a game. Michael understood what he meant to the game, but he also understood what that meant to his brand. You got to see a guy wearing clothes, wearing shoes that you wanted. He was a walking billboard. And with what he was doing when he was wearing those shoes, it's like Tom Brady is saying, hey, my TB12 really works Watch me, I'm playing football. Jordan was saying, I'm Air Jordan. These shoes, watch me. I'll be on the highlights if you don't get to see me in person. Yeah, Paul. And I think it was episode, shouldn't be surprised that Jordan played every game because I think he loved the games. He didn't like the ancillary stuff. I think it was episode six where they show him in his hotel room. He's like, this is my day. I'm going to sit in this room and avoid everything. It's quiet. It's nice. Then they show him going to the lobby and it's a madhouse. And then he's trying to get out after the game and it's a madhouse. And he even says in, I think it was episode six, he goes, because I, I guess I get paid for all this other stuff, you know, because the game, he has no problem with. It's all the ins and outs and getting in and out of restaurants. But he made himself so big. That's, you know, you, if I said to him when he was starting out with the Bulls or just starting with Nike and I said, hey, you're going to be a billionaire. You're going to pay a price. You're going to be a worldwide brand. But your privacy is gone. Are you willing to sign up for that? And I'm sure he would say, of course. And then you get into the throes of it and you go, oh, my God, I, you can suffocate inside. Uh, Scotty Pippen. Winning percentage, Michael Jordan, regular season without Scotty Pippen. He won 52% of the time. Regular season with Pippen, almost 75%. Jordan in the playoffs without Pippen. Won two of 11 games. Jordan in the playoffs with Pippen won 70% of his playoff games. You can't argue the value of Scottie Pippen. He knew his role. And that's, that's the hard part. It's when you have stars and all of a sudden you're going, am I better than him? Should I be better than him? And, and when you get that, you know, Shaq and Kobe went back and forth. You know, McHale realized he wasn't Larry Bird. Uh, Kareem realized that it was Magic's team. James Worthy realized it's Magic's. Like, when you get that, it's so hard to get that. 
Because everybody wants to be the star. And then you get your boys who say, hey, you know, come on, man. You should be taking the latch. Hey, you're just as good at, you know, that's where it gets dangerous. You know, Kyrie Irving thought he was uh, an alpha, and he's not. That was LeBron's team. Kyrie hit the big shot against Golden State, absolutely. But that was not, he he wasn't going to be that leader. It wasn't going to be his team. You know, the Celtics with, uh, is it Rondo's team? Was it KG? Was it Pierce? Ray Allen? When LeBron went to Miami, what happened? Dwayne Wade was smart enough to go, this is my team, my town. It's his team. It became LeBron's team. But to be able to find that where you understand. I, I dealt with this at ESPN. I realized Keith Oberman was better than me. He did it better than I did. I had to compliment him. Now, we would compete, but we com- were competing for each other. So we would laugh, make somebody laugh, or you'd be interested or that. Like, we were trying to entertain each other. Individually, we weren't as good as we were together. But, you know, I, I thought it was incumbent upon me to make him better, to compliment him because he was coming into SportsCenter. I had already been established there as an anchor, and it was the smart thing to do because Keith is an alpha. And I had been an alpha before with Kenny Mayne. I, I, wasn't a, I didn't want to do that with Keith. Then we were going to compete. Stuart Scott and I competed. It, never, it didn't go well. I mean, you would never know it. We didn't have chemistry, but he wanted to be an alpha, and, and I was already that alpha. Um, and he wasn't going to defer. But, you know, Stewart's one of the most competitive people I ever met. But, uh, yeah, I, I understand that, where you sort of have to figure out what your role is. And if you don't, it can go bad, horribly bad. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Todd, I'll start with you. My best of the weekend, my wife's appreciative smile for preparing dinner and taking care of the Come dishes on. last night, even though you guys questioned blah, blah, the way I was just posing and pretending sad. to be cooking. That's sad. Why? What's sad? Wait, who did the dishes? I did the dishes. Oh, I thought you said she did the dishes. No, that uh, she appreciated me taking care of the dishes and preparing dinner. My worst of the weekend, Shaq, saying we should scrap the NBA season altogether, come back next year, says no one will really respect the champion. There'll be an asterisk. And uh, that kind of bummed me out that Shaq's ready to say, let's uh, just do next year. Yeah, I don't I'm not ready to attach an asterisk by this. I mean, it's going to be challenging, but everybody we're not giving anybody an advantage. Uh, So I, I it. It, it's going to be, you know, strike shortened season. When's the last time somebody brought up a strike shortened season when somebody won a title? It doesn't come up. I mean, is there an asterisk by the uh, Astros? Maybe, but I don't think there's an asterisk by if the Lakers win this year. Now, people who don't like LeBron are going to go, yeah, but McLovin, best and worst of the weekend. Best is I watched an old NBA game, Allen Iverson versus Vince Carter in the 2000 playoffs. Do you remember that? It was Toronto and Philly. Did he have Carter? 50, had, did Iverson have like 50 in that game? 54. 54. Vince Carter set the NBA record for threes in a playoff game with nine. He had 50. Iverson could not be stopped. There was nothing to do. And my, my worst was B.J. Armstrong talking trash to the Bulls Ooh. when he got traded to the Hornets. That was a mistake. That didn't work out. That didn't work out. Seton O'Connor, best and worst. The uh, best moment from the last dance last night was, uh, I think it might have opened the episode, but Craig Sager is off camera <laughs> asking Jerry Krause a question. <laughs> He's talking about, like, you know, with all the backstabbing that's going on. And Jerry Krause obviously takes exception to the 
the question doesn't really care for it. And he's like, all right, that's it. The, the press conference is over and he walks off and there's just some other reporter who goes, way to go, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny because Sager was not afraid to ask a question, not afraid to ask a tough question. Never. Way to go, Craig. Yeah. And then you just hear it where. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, yeah. it's such a great line. Yeah. yeah. Um, my worst of the weekend, though, was I'd, I had forgotten that when Michael Jordan was playing baseball, it was just leading into the 94, 95 strike, which then immediately made me think of Donnie Baseball. Like, oh, Mattingly. Man, yeah. that was the shot. That was the chance. Yeah. Damn it. Polyester, best and worst. Uh, multiple reports that the UK government has given the Premier League Soccer League to the green light to resume the season June 1st. As a Liverpool fan, mm. this is fantastic that they can maybe win it on the field. Mm. They're way ahead. And then uh, I wouldn't call this worst of the weekend. Just uh, I was watching a lot of UFC uh, Friday night. Their fight, Tony Ferguson, he took a beating and afterwards he had his eye socket broken. And his eye looked like something out of a movie. I mean, it, it was jacked up. But what a tough dude. Uh, Tony Ferguson. Uh, Rodney in Wisconsin. Hey, Rod, what do you have for me today? EDP, thanks for the call. Sure. Five, nine, whatever. Um, just a comment about uh, what you were saying um, with what's acceptable from sports athletes today as opposed to the things that Mike did. Um, coming from a baseball coach, a high school baseball coach of 15 years, um, I think not only is there truth to what you said, but also – what's acceptable from our athletes now and our coaches now is completely different than what it was even 15 years ago or 25 years ago when, when MJ and those guys were going on that run. I mean, there were things that I could say and do to my freshman baseball team 15 years ago when I first started coaching high school baseball that I can't say now to my varsity players, things that I can say and do just because things are accepted yeah, it's different now than they were before. And I think that has a lot to do with people picking and choosing the what's okay for MJ to do and what's not okay for LeBron to do. I think that's a lot of societal things have popped up over the years. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rodney. I agree. Oh, in my day, I didn't like how my coaches treated me in my day. <laughs> I wanted to be hugged. I wanted to be coddled. <laughs> Nobody yelled at. Stop yelling at me. Reggie Miller will join us coming up here. Final hour, Dan and the Dan at Stan Patrick Show.